millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello, everybody. I'm Danny Kelly. Welcome to the Game Day Record Book Podcast, the latest edition of. I have no intention of explaining it to you because as the weeks go by, it's clear that it's beyond explanation. Other than if you want to hear the weekend and indeed the week's football events knocked about like an Aunt Sally at the back of a West Country pub, then this is the show for you. Now, um, in, in kind of a break with our normal tradition, um, we haven't got a footballer in this week. Uh, nothing wrong with the footballers, but because of the uh, heroics of one of West Ham's goalkeeping squad, um, we've replaced everybody with West Ham supporters, <laughs> which means that Tom Rennie is here. Hi, Tom. Hello. Welcome along, as always. It's great to be back. And Mark Webster, also of the Cross Hammer Persuasion, is also among us. I'm sure it's just a remarkable coincidence on this Weekends of weekends. What were they called? Thames Waterworks? What were they called? Thames Iron. There was Thames Waterworks after yeah. the game, that's yeah. for sure. Exactly. What were they called West Ham initially? The Thames Ironworks. Ironworks. Thames from Ironworks. 1895 to 1900. And of course... Uh, well, they were a Navy kit. Famously played uh, extraordinary near their current home ground. And nowhere near their old ground. Yeah. They, Just to confuse ah, people. And it's the, the corner flag used to be where Lush is now. They wore mm. a Navy kit. Yes, for the first five years, well, Navy strip. And we're off on, on, on the way this show works because now. That because that used to be quite slimming. Navy's very slimming. I, I much prefer wearing a Navy kit now. Claret and Sky Blue. He's doing is... a great job. For, oh, no, you are actually thin. Yeah, OK. Um, the, Thank you very much. This well, has been a very complimentary yeah, start uh, to this programme. Early days. No one's uh, called me thin <laughs> for about ten it's years. It's like when, I, when everyone was going mad. When Spurs first got Thompson, don't even exist anymore, as there's Logan. Remember they had that red splash across their chest. They going, oh, no, red... That's no part of Spurs tradition. It's red. That's the enemy. All the rest of it. People like me going. <clears throat> when we uh, first came into the league in 1905, yeah. in the previous season, we wore brown and red stripes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Spurs wore brown and red stripes. That's the worst colour combination I've ever heard. Yes. Oh, exactly. Those the colours word, always word, suggest see a doctor. Well, the word combination doesn't do exactly right. I mean, that's basically a sample. <laughs> so now that we're doing, now that we're doing, just a mistake. Yeah. Hello, hello, and welcome to the history of Spurs. So why the current kit? Um, well, we, 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 we uh, uh, what the, 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 the white, the something to do with the wash, right? Because all the colours were leaking, brown and red were leaking together, whereas white washes well. This is actually uh, important to me, and, okay. and by the way, and reason one of the reasons why George Graham was so disliked at Spurs. Spurs, when they entered the Football League in 1905, the current champions were Preston North End. So Spurs copied their kit no, to be more no. like the champions. Hence, when they first get into European competition, the champions are Real Madrid. Hence, they wear all white in Europe. It's never even occurred to you West Ham fans, has it? So, across history, Tottenham have always ripped off somebody in the way now they're trying to rip off Arsenal. Yeah. yeah? In, sorry, uh, I'll, ta- I'll take that as uh, some kind of a joke. Anyone have to listen? 
Any laughter? <laughs> no. A bit surreal, really. Um, I said I can't, you know, obviously get my head around. I think I'll probably wake up tomorrow morning and, and, and open that one eye and I'll be like, that really just happened yesterday. So, yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy tonight, definitely. He brought on a, a frozen goalkeeper. Some people let the free kick happen like that. So when you have to, when you look a little bit silly in that moment, that's what you have to accept. Listen, we're going to change it around this week because uh, we really want to start with our hero of the week. And each week now, we'll ju- we we decided the format of the show has been already been so successful. It's time to mess with it. So, hero of the week comes first. We ain't got time for this, have we? Um, let's just start straight away. Still getting cut. This every element. We've yeah. barely. Look, none of this is getting used. <laughs> I hope. Well, All this were, gold. Um, let's start then with the reason why you're both here with your claret and blue tattoos. Um, I want to start with that because I think it's a wonderful story in a world of cynicism. Um, and where failure sells better than anything else. Mark, tell us about your hero of the week. Uh, Alvin Marty's boy. Um, David Martin, 33 years old, of course, uh, and, and had a wonderful career up and down the, the lower yeah. leagues, did his, did his bit. At he was at it, Liverpool He was at Liverpool, yes. Yeah. Never played a game. Never played a game. There was there was famously uh, Bob, somebody who's, uh, who, who, who won a, a European Cup medal for uh, Liverpool and never and he was Who's the keeper that? and never played the game for him as well and they Bob sing, Boulder Bob Boulder and they sing his Very name good. well played they sing his name to this day he ended up at Dagenham and Redbridge that'll learn him and um, but, but it's a similar David, story with, uh, I saw, yes, with David very it? similar I saw David Martin um, a, a few weeks ago and he was the keeper for West Ham's development squad playing against Brentford's B team which is how they work it over at Griffin Park and I'd never seen David Martin, and, and if, if I'm brutally honest, I was probably pretty much unaware of his Existence. of his professional career. Yeah. Were you surprised right? he yeah. wasn't bald? I was surprised the first time I saw David Martin that well, he wasn't bald like Alvin. He's time, time well. is on his side, yeah, obviously. Okay. Yeah, Hair true. comes through the through the female side. It does. Oh, is that true? Yeah, it does. Have you met my bald mother? <laughs> um, and he spent most of the game twenty odd yards out from his goal, and sounded like and acted like the PE teacher. Because he was like twice the age of virtually everybody in the West Ham side and was directing traffic for them um, with Steve Potts as, as the actual manager. But this man was not meant to make an appearance, but fate... Dis- well, no, it wasn't fate. It was Robert. Yeah. <laughs> it was the single worst goalkeeper ever to uh, put 27 goals in, in three League. games. So uh, I, in he came. I, I mean, I, I will talk a little in a second. We'll talk about the beauty of that moment at the end, the tears and yeah. going and kissing his dad and all the rest of it. But you've now forced me to recount a story about um, how it is when you've got a senior pro in the reserves because... Uh, my oppo, Danny Baker, always said, remember going to a game, Millwall Reserves, were playing against Everton's reserves. And for some reason, Everton were being captained by their stalwart, Captain Mick Lyons, yes. who dominated their team Giant for about a decade. Yeah, But, of course, in an empty stadium, you can hear the one Millwall fan, and I'll come away from the microphone because he's at the back of the stand going, Lyons, Lyons, you old man. <laughs> We can see you out there. Don't try and hide from me, Lions. <laughs> Lions. Lions, you old man. I know you can hear me. What are you doing out there with all these young boys? Lions, I ain't right. Get back in the proper team. <laughs> and this went on for 90 <laughs> solid minutes. And Mick Lyons... Must have said something. He tra- no, uh, second half, he, he, of course, he's much further away from where the bloke started. But, other end, Lions! <laughs> Lions, you old man, we can see you. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. I mean, Alvin Martin and I have worked together a lot here on Talk Sports. And I, I love Alvin. I love several things about him. But I love, one, that um, he's such a nice man. And two... 
I don't know if you ever touched Alvin Martin. No. You, oh, no. Imagine you go into a furniture shop, an antique furniture shop, and you say, look at that mahogany wardrobe. Yeah. I'll just give that a little knock so he had a quality. His body is like granite. solid. Granite. Still solid. Granite. Yeah. He still is solid. so hard. Yeah. Oh, my God. I got a train with Alvin in the summer, in the heat wave of the summer. He knocked the train over, in the didn't same he? Area. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was, he was pushing it from the back. It was going very, very fast. It's like a sexy flash. Uh, we're on the train together, and then bearing in mind he's 30 years older than me, and I have another story about the fact that Alvin Martin is the reason my dad never became a professional footballer. But that's a whole other thing we've not got time for. Yeah. We're on this train together, and I'm a you know 30-year-old man, and I'm on this train, like, stripping my clothes off, sweating profusely. I'm trying to talk to him, and I'm like, I can't bear it, I can't bear it. And he's still, there's not a drip no. of sweat on him. He's so perfectly regulated at all times. And he was Part of the never re- a helicopter pilot, though, in a recent conflict. So amazing yeah, that there's good. no sweat upon him. Part of the reason, of course, is that he is bonkers competitive and when I was working this is five or six years ago both his sons are professional footballers yeah, Joe yeah. has been around the yeah, boxes yeah. chilling him and all that and of course um, we've been talking about David um, who might be our hero of the week but Alvin tells me that they all meet up at Alvin's uh, where in the sort of southern part of the Midlands they all live um, and I think it's probably Milton Keynes because that's where David was yeah, playing yeah, they have the yeah. family lunch on a Sunday and then they go out for a bike ride now Alvin is competing with two professional athletes oh they only beat him by two seconds that's what, what was it 100 no, over 10 kilometres. I don't, I don't doubt it. I do not uh, and, doubt it. And he'd be sitting there. I said, my old knee hurts a little bit. I said, you're 60 years of age. <laughs> you're competing against professional athletes. And he was, my old knee hurts a little bit. It was lovely, though. They're all joking aside. I know you're West Ham fans. The hug great, is fantastic. Great victory. Chelsea, yeah. first yeah. of all, say that. It, it, everything was part of it, and regardless of whether he had a great game or an indifferent game, it doesn't matter what he did. Was you can he he inspired the the rest of them to not be worried about who was yeah. in goal, and it, and this is clearly a deal, and as you say, then you finish off with, probably unconsciously, he pat cashed the hug with his dad. Yeah, last yeah. time we saw that, that was pat cash up to the up to the family enclosure at Wimbledon. There and one he stage was. Though, I thought he was going to just d- drown in a, in a pool of his own tears. He on couldn't the pitch. stop himself. Could he? It was amazing. It was. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't in the greatest individual goalkeeping performance you've ever seen. Chelsea did not put the pressure on West Ham to make him make a lot of world-class what, saves. What, but what what's he did, the matter with you, but Tom? what he did mm-hmm. was bring something... You know, last week we spoke about Mikel Antonio. He came on and started sprinting and suddenly everyone was like, oh, that's sprinting. And what he did was catch the ball and look competent. How dare you have anything went, to say oh, yeah. about David Martin's performance after the way you've insisted that he get in the team? I will tell you, I got a video from some friends at four in the morning on Saturday and it was a bunch of lads in the street coming back from a night out and it was them singing uh, the old Alvin Martin song he's got no air but we don't care the son of Alvin Martin which I thought was great your hero of the week it might be an inverted commas is also a goalkeeper it is a goalkeeper it is Adrian I know it's a West Ham link but that's not done intentionally because he came on the field after Alisson's red card uh, in the game uh, Liverpool played against Brighton on Saturday and not only did he come on and totally forget that he was playing a live game of football and kept looking at his post and didn't line up his wall and Lewis Dunk was like can I hit this ref? And he was like, yeah, of course you can. Blew his whistle. And he, and he didn't try and dive at all. that casual way that the ref now being refereed. Yeah, like exactly. He didn't like try and dive at all. Last say first, my middle name. But the On reason, you go. The reason he's a hero is because football fans up and down the country this weekend will have noted it was very, very cold. And so did Jurgen Klopp, who said this, 
we brought on a frozen goalkeeper. <laughs> Everyone sitting here was not warm. Imagine going on there with shorts, a really thin shirt, gloves that are not made for keeping you warm. For some people, to make a free kick happen like that, you can feel a little bit silly. Why don't goalkeepers wear a coat, is what I want to know. Well, uh, Why well, don't they wear a gilet? I'll, Why br- I'll, bring you a... I'll bring you evidence for the prosecution. Julian Speroni, wear your pyjamas yes. and play the football in if you're cold. Shameless tracksuit bottoms. Who was yeah. the other goalkeeper for Bulgaria for years who wore his own tracksuit bottoms. I can't recall his name, but he always wore his own clothes. Uh, and he just sort of <laughs> turned up clothes, in his own clothes. Yeah. And like, it's, it, there's no reason why no one made Adrian wear just that thin shirt. Put a jumper underneath. You go and watch the boys playing on Sunday League. They've always got their coats on and the mums are like, put your coat on, then you kick. You see, missing the point, what Klopp's done is he realises it, you know, it's a seasonal reference to, to get the kids involved. Frozen. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> Don't and he's also scored four. two. Exactly. It's all there. I mean, the second one wasn't as good as the first one. No. So even better. Same it makes perfect the sense. The movie's same as our jokes. Yeah. The second one not as good as <laughs> yeah. the first one. Same oh. as the goals. It's all there. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's here over the week. My, mine Playing is, well cold. Uh, mine is, uh, just to remind people, that it happened during the week. Callum Hines uh, was the ball boy in that uh, game between Spurs and Olympiacos who got all the compliments from Jose Mourinho, who he tells, of course, um, despite his new persona as the humble one, and told us that he was a great ball boy himself. He Absolutely really brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. He couldn't let that moment go yeah. past, could he? And not just for a couple of weeks, between the age of 10 and 15. That yeah, was the yeah. detail I yeah, love. Yeah. Five years, top ball boy. Don't worry about it. Man and boy. Man and ball boy. I was good at that. Well, ball, ball boy door. If you were obviously pardon the uh, so, yeah. so, Mourinho probably put razor blades in the ball, didn't he? That's why he was a good ball boy. <laughs> so next up, you know, in part of this pretending, and I think at the moment it is a pretense, but maybe in the long term I'll change my mind that he's new, born again, Mister Nice Guy version of Jose Mourinho. So they have the ball boy into the lunch before the game with the Spurs players, and I'm told they're going to do this before every game. I think that'll last until the ball boy doesn't do what Jose Mourinho wants yeah. him to do. And then you're, and I'm, I'm not encouraging violence against the young, uh, nor would I, uh, under any circumstances. Good way you to can start see him going, I'm not encouraging <laughs> violence against you the young. You can see him going in studs up, can't you, on the side of the pitch against the ball boy who hasn't done exactly as he ordered. OK, listen, we've got two West Ham fans in the studio. I think it's the best story of the week, David Martin. Oh, yeah, so unless... I'm, it would, look, this show has already got a bad enough reputation yeah. for slapping about the good people of the game. I think we've got to give it to David Martin, don't we? It's the best feel-good... I mean, Premier League don't get this kind of feel-good story, does it, anymore? Very, very rarely. And also, there was a lot of people I know that were very touched by the whole father-son story. Uh, That will uh, resonate with so many football fans. It's not a West Ham thing. It was such a special... Special yeah, moment. This is not a West Ham story. It's not. It's not. And this does not happen. It's a often. human story. How and when he, when he came in in June, he never thought he was going to play, and he's just saved the season of his dad's club, his boyhood club. Oh, it's a lovely story. So our hero of the week is David Martin. What have Martin. the Martins ever done for us? <laughs> and to stop our producer from editing out all the best bits of that section, I'd just like to end it by saying, Lions, Lions, you old man, we can see you out there. <laughs> Norwich get their noses back in front before half-time. Chance for Campwell in the penalty area. Campwell with a shot. Campwell finds the corner. Norwich lead again in front of Jumberg's first game as Arsenal manager. What can he do here? Over the wall and a brilliant save. It's in. James Ward-Prowse beats Ben Foster. Joy unconfined to St Mary's. Are they finally going to win a game in front of their own supporters? It's Southampton 2, Watford 1. Many matches we lost, just the, the, the feelings there. We are really nearly and whatever, but 
football is about to, to win. So every time we don't get points or we don't win, we have good feelings. Lions! Lions! It's time to do the villain of the week! You villain lions! <laughs> we, we see can, you out we here! We can see you! We're you your villainy! Villain. <laughs> you curly, twirly moustache, wrong'un! <laughs> I'll start villain of the week with the Premier League. Not because they're, you know, they're always in my villain of the week for various things they do. But, you know, Scudamore, when he went, um, I was so delighted because it's a long story. It involves West Ham United. Yeah. The day of Lasagna Gate, which I know you all think is the funniest thing on earth, yeah. uh, but actually broke oh, yeah. my heart. I was there working for BBC London. We laughed ourselves to bits. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, and But Scudamore made the decision that game had to go ahead that day. Remember mm. where he did it from? No. The side of the pitch at Highbury. It was the last day at Highbury and the head of the Premier League made the decision while being interviewed at the side of the pitch. What he was doing there... God only knows. Arsenal's last day has nothing to do with the Premier League. That's a big old party for Arsenal's fans. Um, but he was there because, of course, we we're all great friends together. Can you imagine the commissioner of the of the American football going to something as, as dramatic as that? And as, anyway, the upshot was, I don't think Spurs got a fair shake that day. The upshot day. is you've gotten over it. It's only been 13 years and you didn't deserve to be in the Champions League you're, anyway. You'll find I'm not the kind of person who gets over things. No, I have no <laughs> time. Yeah. I think, I, and also... Hasn't uh, Jamie O'Hara learned that lesson? Let's, let's Whoever take, he is. Let's that take lasagna, was. That lasagna's been repeating for 13 glorious years. I have a, a mental greenhouse where I cultivate my glasses. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Comes back so stronger. The pre- so the Premier League, Scudamore <laughs> goes and I think surely anybody's got to be better than him. Anybody can do that job. 11 months on, one of the most important... Posts in World Football Administration, head honcho of the Premier League, has not been filled. Oh, they've tried. First, a woman called Susanna Dinage from the TV industry, because that's what they need, because it's all about broadcast deals. Yes. Um, she took the job, she accepted the job, and then last minute, beep, beep, yeah, beep, yeah. beep, she was out of it. Smelled the coffee. Uh, I suspect when I think she was told they were hoping for a 20% uplift in the TV contracts. Hello, the last time round, they went down slightly in value per match. Um, then there was another person who... And now we've got more Burnley. Who came, <laughs> who came and went. And most recently, a man called David Pemsel um, accepted the job. 51-year-old executive of the uh, Guardian. Guardian, yeah. Um, and following revelations, shall we say, about his personal behaviour, he yeah. has, I'm afraid, said, you know what, in view of the adverse publicity... He actually didn't say that. He said, I'm not just taking the job. I'm just drawing the two things up. The Premier League cannot find anyone to take on one of the most juicy, high-paying jobs mm. in the entire of world sport. Incredible. He, I mean, he managed minus days, which is an incredible achievement, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, you know, at least uh, uh, Dennis, I think she kind oh, of got... Oh, he's making Kike Sanchez-Flores seem like a stalwart, exactly. isn't he? <laughs> exactly. With the carriage clock that he's now walking uh, yeah. away, tucked under his arm. His for second one, by the way. Yeah. Right, yeah. You can never have enough, I've always found in my life. It, it is incredible, but it is... The intensity of it, though, Dan, this has got to be the issue. If I thought it was a good idea. I thought she was a very good idea. I think it's get someone from outside football because the biggest problem you were getting is that it was the blazered old boy network that mm. was still looking after it. And let's be honest, the Premier League isn't that product. No. But I don't think picking people from the traditional media, as I'm going to include television and newspapers, is the answer either. The next big leap forward, and you've Simon Jordan has indoctrinated me with this, is 
to cross platforms and platforms perhaps yet uninvented. No, but you've got to get more basic than that. It doesn't matter about people who go on Twitch or TikTok or any of that nonsense that teenagers use and doesn't cross over to other media, so stop wibbling on about it. Get someone who wants the job. Don't yeah. worry about their experiences or whether they've got a 13-year-old boy, whether they understand the inner psyche I'm gonna, of the I'm child. Gonna make a, I'm going to make, make a suggestion from within this programme. Paul Parker. Yeah, imagine I the league. I think he'd be fantastic. What a mad league that would be. I think he would get after people who are not doing their work. I think he would have plenty to say. I'd take a footballer. I'd take an ex-player. A footballer but running a, the football league? But an administrator from football. You know, old FA. It worked out well with no, Platini, I suppose. No, if, if, you, if you took a footballer, let's say the next overseas deal was worth... Fifteen billion, they'd have to get fourteen and a half billion pounds. I'd take they? a footballer with a really good mate from the city. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I would therefore take. I think. Um, I think Mark, you've got. A, a, well, I'm loving all of these villains of the week. Um, well, you want to turn on. Um, well, you know what's been an extraordinary week for no- the northern parts of of, of the, the the capital conurbation. We've lost the managers at Spurs, Watford, and of course Arsenal. We have indeed, and. Uh, and I am down with the uh, the social media kids because uh, Fam. I, I responded. What's TikTok, Mark? Um, I've gone with the fact that on Sunday morning, uh, Freddie Lundberg's got the Arsenal job, and you know, yeah, he's a, he's their academy coach. He's an ex ex hero on the field of play. He knows the score, doesn't he? You kind of think you go. They've done the clever emotional thing is by having one of their own in charge. Well, they're either going to give it to Steve Bowles for the that, time that was, they, They've they? had their moyes now. They've got their gigs. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and now they're and so he he does what he thinks is best, which is put, put uh, pick a team, which of course he's not thinking what's best. It's kind of what you're meant to do. And he's named eleven of them and some substitutes. By the time he managed that, within half an hour of that. Hashtag Freddy out had already emerged <laughs> on Twitter. Maybe from... that's less about the team and more about those underwear shots. It's no, it's, well, and somebody wants to see Freddy get out. Get your Freddy out. Um, I'm hoping it's not. Um, it's it for me is. I mean, what the beauty of it is is that this is just. I'm going to guess a proportion of Arsenal fans who simply can't get it out of their system that they're meant to moan about everything. They're extraordinarily um, active in social media of every kind. We know about Arsenal Fan TV. Yeah. You just mentioned there on Twitter. But equally, if you do a phone in on Talk Sport, for yeah. instance, um, you can get. There are several groups of fans who will come crashing on air. But the ones who really want to dominate it are Arsenal fans. They, if you ask them any question, positive or negative. The, it lights up like a whirlwind. Yeah. It is incredible. The thing with the Arsenal fans is they don't really have supporters or fans. What they have is all Nathan Barleys. They're all media nodes, every single one of them. They've all got their own cameras. They're all filming themselves. They're all posting themselves. They've all got their YouTube channel, their TikToks, the whole thing. Yeah. They've got the whole uh, thing. Other made-up words are available. There, yeah. aren't, there aren't just Arsenal fans that go to the game. There are Arsenal fans that broadcast the fact they're going to the game. Even the Frankfurt game on Wednesday, there was a picture of a guy taking a picture of a guy who was taking a picture of a guy who was playing cards whilst Hold not on. watching the game. Hold on. Now you're implying there's more than five people there. I heard you say six names there. Yeah. Not one of them was there for the game. It was a whole other thing. They were I there for a meeting. Oh, I like the announcement of the crowd as nearly 60,000. Oh. Yeah. Um, I have friends who were there who said you could have organised a very good football match on the terrace. In yeah, there. exactly. There's but, plenty, plenty of, sp- plenty yeah. of move, room for manoeuvre. But even then on that night as well, by the way, given the fact that we're talking about, the, you know, they're very sophisticated about this, I love the fact that, they, that they're that they the only ones who've led the Luddite revolution for the A4 protest.
protest. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> A4 piece of paper that started with Wenger out. Yeah. Oh, there was Unai Emery A4 pieces of paper on the terraces in the Europa it League. It it's an A4 piece of paper. <laughs> but they're the only ones who use it. So you're saying that they're very good on the modern platforms as well as the traditional ones. Yeah, I believe they're they the media dominate the market. They've for got a good it reason. all covered. They've, they, got, they've all got the carrier pigeons. Yeah, they're always sending things out. Often get things on the snail mail. Always get My them. My God, they had an aeroplane. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's got a lot. They got it a lot. Got everything. Who is? I mean, from a club that uh, had one managed for nearly seventy-four years, Arsenal. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, your villain of the week, but perhaps not for their revolving door policy. Yeah. Um, is the club that does the opposite of the managers, Watford. There's a general rule in the Premier League: only one manager can be exceptionally handsome at any one time. So with oh. Freddie Lundberg coming back in, Kike Sanchez Flores had, had to go. Had to go. go. Frank had Lampard go. sadly doesn't have the boyish looks anymore. Marco Always will be number two. Marco Silva, I no, mean, he might be gone by the time this is released. And also, 6 out of 10, not for me, pal. Oh, right, okay. Uh, the thing is with Watford... Not, not with them side a grinder rating. Not, I, not with them sideies. I like Watford, right? A lot of my friends are Watford fans. A lot of our colleagues here at TalkSport are Watford fans. And I really want them... I know it's patronising, but I'm a patronising man. I want them to do well. I want them to do well. But since the FA Cup final, which I was doing the commentary of, where they were so embarrassing, they disgraced the great name of the FA Cup with how abysmally pathetic they were in that game. And fair enough, they were like, but what about our fans? You know, it doesn't matter about how much the fans yeah. sing when you're 6-0 down. You were there on a big day out. Your team did not compete in any way. It yeah, sorry, for the Watford fans, the least you can expect is a great day out. A great day out does not include getting no. trossicked on national no, television. No, if you're 6-0 down, I don't want to be like singing like it's a great day out and you're Dagnum and Redbridge or Rushton and Diamonds. Actually, they don't exist anymore, do they? But Someone like that. You're a proper team in a proper final. You disgraced it. And since then, nothing has gone right for them. They've officially now had more managers than wins this season. Should not sack Javi Grazia, considering he was the second coming in May. And it was like, oh, we had a bad run at the end of last season. Of course you did. Your Watford Football Club in the Premier League. And there's a great line from Richard Jolly on Twitter, a big friend of ours. And he says, since Sean Dyche was appointed Burnley manager, Watford a party company with each of his 10 successes at Vicarage Road, averaging 31 league games in charge of Watford, whilst Dyche has done 291 games in that time. They haven't invested in their team, and their team hasn't got any better through Grazia to Flores, to whomever's got the job by the time people hear this programme. Watford, the way they run that club, is an absolute disgrace. The way the Pozzo's manager is a disgrace. And any Watford fan who comes on and says, yeah, but they've had success, haven't they? No, you got into the big cup final, which is the goal for all of us second-rate clubs and you embarrass yourself and I would rather never make a final than have my pants pulled down on worldwide television. There's a lovely symmetry to the fact that they will appoint somebody very quickly I mean wasn't it 20 minutes between the last two managers Yeah. so even as they, I start from the start of that sentence they probably appointed a new manager. Someone's, somebody would have been appointed before Flores went and, I, you, and I can understand why he's just livid. heading into the 20 we had 20 years of this century they've had 20 managers he'll be the 20th. It's Beautiful a, it's thing. no relevance to them they don't really care though do they because because they've got their system and they think it works. Yeah, which, it, I mean... But it isn't at the so, moment. Define works, you know what I mean? Like, well, h- how do they define works? Well, not going down. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. But they were going to go down this year. They've well, got they, one they, win after 14 games. They were one games, of those teams, going. though, who used the dreaded phrase established Premiership, Premier League club. Yeah. Um, and I have to say... They haven't said Premiership since 2002. I think there yeah. are... No, I know. That's a 50p fine. I think there are six teams. We know who are talking about, who the, the, the big heads. And I think Everton could say they're a Premier, established Premier League club. Everyone else just waiting to be relegated. Do you think Marco Silva kept the number of Scott Duxbury or anybody still at Watford? Do you think he's kept him on his phone? Because he could probably put a call in. I think they're... Because everyone's got to go there twice, right? Zola's got to go back at some point. Daishi will go back. What's Billy McKinley up to? Is he around? The McKinster, I've no idea. Who's our villain of the week? The choice is um, the Premier League, unable to find someone to run themselves, Arsenal's fans or the Potsos at Watford.
Well, I've got to say, I, I, I think the, the Premier League is would be mine. And the reason I go for that is is simply based on the fact, in the old fashion, if you can't get your own house in order, yeah. <laughs> Don't dare start pointing fingers anywhere else. I think Arsenal fans have become a really budget version of Real Madrid because at least they're used to winning. The way they treat their managers, the way they treat their players, the way they expect to win, that, oh, we didn't beat Southampton in a home game, sack everyone. I think they've become massively dislikable because of the proliferation of Arsenal media, not just Arsenal fan TV. And for me, Mark made a very convincing argument, so I would go for Arsenal. You're going to go Watford. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> just I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> what I would say is I'm in no position to... To slag off the Arsenal fans because I live with one and all my closest friends and relations are all Arsenal fans and I think they've been let down right royally um, I think they were sold a pup when they they got told the new stadium would make them this super rich club and they would be buying the best players in the Didn't world now unfortunately of course the finances of the world football have changed first Abramovich but more particularly the nation states getting involved so I'm going to stick with the Premier League and they are our villains of the week sorry Watford 
Um, I would say my performance of the week goes to a multitude of players. Now, we are in an era where defenders cannot defend, but we are also in an era where attackers are your chief defenders. Um, and this week, we had a wonderful goal from Victor Lindelof, header at the back post. We had a, a brilliant first-time volley by Tyrone Mings. We had a drive in the bottom corner by Willems for Newcastle. We had Virgil van Dijk scoring twice. We had Lewis Dunk scoring an imaginative goal, Pretty but also goal. going close twice. We had Aaron Cresswell scoring a superb cut inside and find the bottom corner goal. For who? For the mighty David Martin FC, uh, Martin Express. Uh, also, I think it's fair to say Moussa Sissoko is a defensive yeah. midfielder these uh, days. Yeah, He's got a brilliant goal. normally uh, bother the scorers, they say in cricket. Jeffrey Schlupp mm. used to be a, a left-back. He now plays a bit four, but he's ostensibly a left-back. What I'm saying is the attackers are now your best defenders, and your defenders are your best attackers. And the reason football has got so entertaining is because all the defenders have the killer striker's instinct. Every single one of these goals, if scored by a number nine, would have been... Been, and that's why you pay the big bucks for the centre forwards. And so my hero of the week is defenders who are strikers. I don't know if that means you now have to put strikers at the back. I don't know what happens. Well, you next. ask Pep Guardiola, he'll tell you. And yeah, it's exactly. It's that's why it's going wrong for him. He plays all attackers and no defenders. Old-fashioned centre-halving is not a. Is not. A, it, I mean, it's, is there one? To, well, the the point. Uh, I guess Van Dyke, except that you just it's say it's yeah. goals. Tarkovsky, people like Burnley still has a few of them. Yeah, and Harry and Maguire. Harry Maguire, I guess, is, is kind of England's Tot- kind of poster boy. Tottenham's for that goals kinda. were all coming from ninety-yard Glen Hoddle passes from their centre halves. Yeah, the order viral alley connection but of course again. the beauty of it is the more goals they get and but the more goals go on the other end is that we're probably not that far away from an era when suddenly the fashionable type will be 17 foot four fellas who don't leave the little d at the edge of the box and it, we'll, we'll get there again should we want to i mean it, it's a genuine sadness for me that uh, the premier league for all its brilliant strengths and of course the reason why it's sold around the world is because it's so attacking these days um i would say more than any other league um but no, not seeing not seeing proper defending anymore. It's actually a sadness to me. Now, look, I grew up when nil-nil away from home was considered a fantastic result. You take it. And teams would kick each other to pieces. I don't really want to return to that, but to see that nobody can bother to defend no, their goal anymore. What, there is one guy who I think is one of the best tacklers I've seen in, in years and years, and that is Aaron Wan-Bissaka. He's not great at anything else. But when it comes to timing, he can time a tackle, a tackle can't he? It's amazing. And he's a converted really... winger. That Is was that really interesting because I saw a piece of one, one of the multifarious um, internet uh, things that one has, reads these days saying, have Crystal Palace bought an, a 1990s fullback for the for the for the 20 you know the 2020s what we're going to call the next decade they're making the point it's actually rather good at winning the ball in tackles yeah can he but we but perhaps he will not turn out to be alexander arnold or andy robinson or one uh, Andy robinson or one of those um i i think mark I mean, that was very good. Defenders who score. And that's a good list. That was a strong list. Yeah. yeah Every single one was a world-class goal. And, uh, they he, were Ballon d'Or worthy. And, and if that was semi-controversial, um, given the the reception that uh, one has to remember what it's called, isn't it? Video-assisted refereeing yeah. has had on this programme and wider. Let's be honest, it deserved it. And Mark, you're choosing VAR as your performance of the week. In my particular instance, and, and I know this will resonate with you, Dan. I mean, I, I, I'm making you the Richard Burton to VAR's Elizabeth Taylor. I'm, I'm going to have you marrying it about six times. Right. You know, as, as it all goes along here. And I've given it man of the match uh, in, in the Leicester game. And uh, Leicester Everton, this was, of course. And, and that's because, shock horror, it actually did the two things that it was meant to do when it was brought in. And in doing so, 
delivered what was the correct result. By which I mean, now there was a couple of elements to this which they didn't quite seem to follow through on. We'll take, for instance, the first one I'm referring to is the fact that the referee gave a penalty. Yeah. Um, which was overturned by the VAR, because, and he and he consequently didn't give a pen. Which he also then didn't give a booking for a cut for the dive. Well, the, the Leicester left back went abs went, went Chilwell, cr- yeah, Chilwell went crashing to the ground. It either had to be a penalty or, or a, yellow. a yellow card. Sign. Yeah. Um didn't do it. Well, but, but, we got, but, but what we didn't get is a cha- we didn't get a change in the scoreline. But what we then did get is effectively the last kick of the game. Um, Inacho threw, and the flag goes up. Play carries on because I don't know if you remember, lads, in the olden days. You played to the whistle. It's a phrase. And this is what happened. The, the lino did flag. The VAR checked it. We actually didn't have an indecisive image of VAR. We had a clear onside. I didn't think so. We had the game won. But unfortunately, I thought that the foot was of the defender was level with the armpit of the attack. And we've seen those disallowed in the past. So although no, was... it was, no, it didn't look like that at all, Dan. It was it was a it was an absolute. That there was a gap between the two lines. Where was the armpit, though? That's the big question. Where was it's, the pit? Are you it sure right you have only got sixty percent of your eyesight? Not the fingertip arm. <laughs> I think uh, he may have suffered sixty percent eyesight loss there. Are you sure? Well, you're the only person I've ever uh, uh, who's questioned it. Oh well, then maybe, well, I wasn't because Simon Jordan also did on our no, show. It, it looked have you switched glasses again? Yeah. No, don't do no, that again. As far as I, it, it's it was an he was on side. But you know what? Even if even if it's as and I haven't seen it in as many details as you have because I was doing another game at the same time. However, if it does end up being that it's almost an equivalent of give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, yeah. then I think we're in a better place. And that, that isn't what's happened. I mean, here, this but is that where, is a better thing. This if is it was where, on the line yeah. together, give it. It's the same as yeah. it's, it's that stupid rule about the handball, right? And there was one last week where uh, very nearly Ollie McBurney's goal was disallowed because did it, did it his hand, did it not? We've seen them all season. There was one where Gineppo should have on uh, on the game for Southampton, Southampton. and didn't. And, and that well. mistake. The 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 the, uh, the referee said, "Yeah, we got that one wrong." Yeah, no, no explanation as to why, given the fact they've got every camera angle available. I think if they this weekend, the video assistant boys by the airport at Stockley Park in their little caravan, you know, wearing their club tracksuits, getting all fat, all that sort of stuff, if they had got everything right this weekend, I would love to say that VAR is the winner of this because you're absolutely yeah. right in that game. It made it better. I'm only giving it one were game. They, were <laughs> they right to, to disallow Davinson Sanchez's non-goal? I don't know about that. I tell you what, though. Once again, the communication from Tottenham Hotspur's new Can We Have a Sponsor Please Stadium and Stockley Park, it went down. So no one inside the ground, whatever it's called, knew what had happened. Because the second time this season, earlier in the season, you had the wrong um, the wrong thing went up, yep. didn't it? It was meant to be a goal and that it wasn't, whatever. Park's fault, that told. was Stockley Park's fault. That was Stockley Park's fault. Well, yeah. this time, yep. nothing went up, so no one realised why it wasn't why it wasn't allowed by the people in Stockley Park. I'm not sure until they have a perfect weekend they deserve anything from us. One decision no, does can, not make us no, see, this is what this is why I was, this is why I picked this one game. Yeah. You get, yeah. To give them a week is yeah. a very You're bold too generous. You're kind-hearted. I'll, I'll give them 90 minutes. I'm I'll give them my, one 90 minutes. My suggestion of performance of the week, I wonder whether I'm hiding something behind it. I want to talk about Newcastle, who I thought played really well for a team that was going nowhere six weeks ago. They played really well against the current champions, Manchester City. And even got a goal from Miguel Almiron. Assist. Who, oh, sorry, yeah. an assist. He's never going to score. Sorry. No. No, but he got an <laughs> assist. On, he got an assist. For, but actually, when I was thinking about this in the last 20 minutes, how I'm going to sell Newcastle and Almiron, 
what I'm really worried about is Manchester City. Mm. Um, there has is it is it that their defensive sort of injuries and things have caught up with them, or is it that these we've seen it happen again and again and again? The pressure of being champions of, of the Premier League. No one wins it three years running. No, I, just, it, no. I just don't think it's as big as that. I think it's it's as, it's as simple as the fact that Fernandinho is not a centre-half, should have been sent off this weekend for a second book of offence, which led to John Joe Selby's equaliser. For some reason, the referee didn't give it out of pure sympathy. He is a liability at this point, Fernandinho, in that side, in his position or otherwise. And also, there is just a simple lack of the front <coughs> four getting back. The front four don't get back. Previously, didn't have to. But that's my point. Because Vincent they're, Company would bail you they're, out. They're, Pressing, it's the quality of players. Their pressing stats have, have dropped off a cliff. Same as Spurs' did when they decided they didn't want the manager anymore. And given that Guardiola's policy is he doesn't defend the goal, he defends the ball, as soon as you stop the pressing, they become vulnerable. Rodrigo can't run as well. Like He is so immobile. And Fernandinho used to get around the field in that position. Rodrigo cannot run. Well, I so when, I, you, when that guy has got to drop deeper, everyone else has got to, got, got to drop deeper, and there is no press. I mean, I think... I think well, there used to be a press with Barcelona, even though Busquets was in the team. And I think he sees him as the, as the next Bus- Busquets. The problem is, Busquets has been doing what he does brilliantly for a dozen years now. Smart uh, cookie, and yeah. And yeah. gambling on Rodrigo being that, just because he looks the same, is a big, big issue. So I'm not really going to press for Newcastle, because I think Manchester City contributed Great to goals, Newcastle. Though, the two goals they scored. <gasps> I, so good. The Shelby uh, finish. I love John Joe Shelby. Oh, I, but I'm De Bruyne because... I oh yes, I, that was such a goal. I, uh, uh, off the bar. When do you, when do you get to see? No one goes for your thun- boa, do they? A, a thunderbolt off the bar anymore? Do you not think it reduces? I see. I think you like even your boa's no. great goal. You don't like that? Reduced because I hit the no, no, yeah. Oh, that is the icing it's... on the cake. That is the cream in the puff. That is exactly what you want. When you're making, when you're making, when you're making your Hollywood football film. Yes, and 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 there's a thunderbolt strike from 45 yards <laughs> by Sylvester Stallone, who's yeah. now playing outfield. He doesn't look like he did in escape the picture anymore. It looks well, fitter. That ball goes in off the bar because it looks more Hollywood. Yeah, and then you go, where's it going to go? And the yeah. fact it goes in and then comes out yeah. without touching yeah. the net. Oh, it was sumptuous. Well, perhaps, perhaps copyright I'm, Jeff Hurst, 1966. Who's going to be our performance of the week? Defenders who score or VAR at Leicester? I mean, the list of Lindelof, Mings, Willems, Van Dyke, Dunk, Cresswell, I mean, that is a strong, powerful list with quality goals, and it's uh, a fundamental change in football. And I haven't won one yet, so can I win this one, please? VAR's first <laughs> 90 minutes of glory, and you want to take it away from them. I, I think it might have been a fluke, so I'm going to go with the defenders. So that's definitely a change in the game. Exactly. Thank you very much, Dean. Next up here on the Game Day, a record book podcast with Mark Webster, uh, Tom Rennie, and myself, Danny Kelly. We'll be getting to our worst performance of the week. It's something that, you know, when you look at that group, you think, wow, you know, that's one of them going out. But from what I understand, it, the, the, the top three can go through. But um, yeah, it's, it, it, you wouldn't want to be in that group. No, no questions asked. You know, I think the group that we've got, we're, we're quite happy with. Recovered by Grealish on the left, up against Pereira, chops outside. Oh, what a goal! Jack Grealish, you beauty! The Aston Villa captain with a curler into the top corner that David de Gea was bamboozled by. The standards at Man United are high. Uh, and that's uh, what we have to uh, keep uh, working towards to get to improve as a team, improve as uh, individuals. 
this is the worst performances of the week. We've got a very, very motley crew in, indeed here. Can I start, actually? Um, the draw for the Euro 2020. Uh, look, I understand television companies have got an awful lot of time to fill. Um, I have this discussion off with my brother, who is the production king of a TV company in Ireland, and he says, that's why they all love cricket. You've got two cameras, one at each end, and then you can all go off to the pub for seven yeah. hours. Steve's working, Graham's working, <laughs> we're all out of it. I, but I, and I understand that, you know, you can make these awards, sorry, these draws, you can make them look a little bit like the MTV Awards and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, they really bore me very, very much indeed. However, not just that, but during the course of the draw, um, which, I, you know, I, I have to watch it. I'm, I'm Did you watch the whole thing? I did. I watch it as a kind of flagellation, self-flagellation. Yeah. How bad can it be? I can't take my eyes off it. Was there a musical performer? Was there acrobats? Anything no, like that? No, it was that just stuff. droning on about they cannot be in, in Group C because they've already met this team and they've got Pathway D. It was, it was, it was terrible. Just but, put it to flicker in flame, Dan. I know what you mean. It can be mesmeric, but if you don't start... No, I know. You don't have to keep going. I know. I've got an addictive personality, Mark, and that's part of the problem. But then there was the, the commentary, both in my Twitter feed and from the experts saying, oh, look at that, the group of death. Just look at that Grupo del Muerte there developing as Germany, France, Portugal and whatever whipping boy they've got in that group with them, were drawn together. And there was this great glee and great delight that these traditional sporting enemies, uh, football enemies of England, all of them, of course, former winners of the Euro, which is more than England can say, (laughs) are all drawn together. And I thought to myself, "This, this is all very well if this was Group A or Group C or whatever, but this is the group into which England feed. So if they win their group... They will play one of these teams in Dublin. If they come second in England, assuming they do, they'll play one of these other superpowers far away. I think Rome is the answer to my, my next question. So England are celebrating, England commentators, people on Twitter, celebrating the idea that the path to glory, and it will be glory at Wembley, is strewn with the last 16 game against either Germany, our record against them, France, world champions, or Portugal, who always find a way past England. I just thought, this is nuts. On top of having wasted an hour and a half of my life, I've now got this very poor level of of common sense about the game. We want to be playing... Dan, when- just allow us a fleeting moment of happiness that we didn't get those teams in the group. You can feel, you worry about the, the, the next bit, the playoffs and all that, when you get there. Don't worry about that. We've got a group that's winnable for us. And now, look, let's enjoy it. In We're the not going to win the European Championships. All football gives us mere mortals is the possibility of fleeting glory. You don't think and if we win, win again, or you don't think they can win? Both. Oh. We're not capable and we won't. Well, one certainly feels I don't think we can. Because I, I, I would suggest that I mean, Belgium have got a tough old. Belgium, I think, arrive as the, as the highest seed and then get. Which, given the fact it's an hour and a half, and presumably it's taken them also 50,000 man hours to work out the scientific process that gets there, they've given the team that qualified as top seed away games in Russia and Denmark in their own group. <laughs> but that's the reward you're looking for, isn't it, for being decent at what you do? It's funny, I was chatting to someone at UEFA a couple of days ago, and they were saying, and uh, I'll, I'll say what they said, I'm not happy with it. They said their big issue with the European Championships they are having at UEFA is that the cities feel like they are not being represented enough 
by the competition. And it's a bit like, yeah, because you ruin the concept yep. of us going to a, a home host. city. Yeah. And so how can Russia, who has, what, one or two games, yeah. and England that have got five or six games, and Dublin that have got one, and Scotland that have got one, how can any of them feel particularly involved in it because the circus wor- comes to is town Is it and worth painting the, painting the National Stadium for one game? Of course no, not. Exactly so not. Right. You haven't made anything worth it. You've ruined it for yourself. And the reason we go to host countries is so we can absorb ourselves in their culture, we can enjoy some tourism in that place. The country tends to embody the tournament from Vuvuzela to Stein of Beer, and they've taken that from us and they've said, well, it don't suit me working this. Or in the in case of the World Cup in Korea and Japan, bent refereeing decisions. Yeah. They were all very well represented. And I don't know what national costume to wear. That's the main issue. Um, Wales. I, I will Welsh bonnet. Yeah. Wales uh, did Always. one brilliant thing. Though. I've got to mention this before you move on. So we all remember the famous or infamous uh, Gareth Bale flag, which he'd got out of his golf bag moments after Wales qualified for this competition. I thought there was pretty pictures of Gareth. I thought yeah. it was good. Uh, yeah. Which was brilliant. I, I, I was with him all the way Yeah, on about that time one. he gave it back to some of those horrid yeah. Real Madrid fans who and, don't appreciate and, the fact he's won them the Champions League and Courtois, who arrives and after five minutes decides he's going to tell Gareth to Bale yeah. what to do with his yeah. time. Yeah. And then gets dropped himself. Pretty on the much. radio, I was looking at my watch there to show yes. up five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't that got really a across <laughs> in this audio medium. Uh, when the draw was announced, the Welsh uh, official Twitter handle put this up. It's the exact same flag, the Welsh flag, but with the writing yeah. uh, in the same way as we saw in the Bale flag. And it said Switzerland, Turkey, Italy in that order. Beautiful. Brilliant. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Great beautiful, use of social beautiful media. Beautiful riffing on a theme. Top TikTok. Well, well played them. And if the draw for Euros and Champions League and all the rest of it is inflated beyond human endurance and almost fetid with its own pomposity, it doesn't begin to compare with your worst no. performance of the week. Well, the only the only reason I would give this perhaps any more credence than what you've done is that what they've at least done, like a bit like like the wrestling, is that it's going to be a competition in which they already know who's won it. What are you talking about? Whoever it is who now organises the Ballon d'Or or... It's Ballon d'Or gate, as far as I'm concerned now. Um, apparently, and, and this was um, announced in, in, in the European press uh, during the course of the week, uh, they've already told Lionel Messi he's won it. Now, th- to, to get him there, in the same way, if you want to well, get a band to turn up at the Brits, and you tell this, them they're going to win. And that's fa- yeah, which is fair play. Yeah. <coughs> no, it's cold play, sorry. But- <laughs> they're not going to win, are they? Uh, no, I don't- <laughs> Coldplay with the Ballon d'Or. They're in the Ballon d'Or, yeah. Just, Rihanna just, just to try and... Dr- I'll bet they'll sing to, a song there, though. To, oh. to hotwire this to the, to the point, to the res, um, this is the leaked list that we saw that Mark is referring to. Um, in fifth place, Sadio Mane. In fourth, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, don't ruin it for us, Dan. Where's David Martin in this? <laughs> He's, he's actually second. Yeah, he's very, very <laughs> and uh, Lionel Messi, as you say, is ahead of David Martin Lionel in second place. <laughs> Can I just ask you, do you care who wins the Ballon d'Or? No. I mean, uh, regardless of whether the fact we know who's won the Ballon d'Or. Do you know what's, do you know what's funny? So here we've got journalists it's, from France, from Spain, from Italy, and every time this comes up, they are obsessed with the Ballon d'Or. They see it as a mark of respect for their league if someone in it wins it. If one of our players won it, all we would do is rag on him for years and say, why do we care about some European award? I tell you you who does care about it, the young people. Do they? They do, yeah. On the TikTok? They do, yeah. I don't believe it. Uh, sorry, you're, you're 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 happy to talk about TikTok, but not about Iron Filing Man. I'm not 100 percent sure what TikTok is. Exactly. But I've used it a lot in this. <laughs> yeah, program. you have. Yeah. Now I've got to get it to work out what it is. And there's no way that your career is hanging by a thread. I promise you. It's not even got a thread. <laughs> well, it's well, it's going to hang in a second now because you're you're about to make the worst performance of the week. 
the biggest, um, well, not they were the biggest club in the week <laughs> in the world until this week when Manchester City's latest financial manoeuvrings now make them the biggest sports franchise yeah. on the planet. Mm. <laughs> bigger than the Dallas Cowboys, bigger than Real Madrid, bigger than the Boston uh, Red Sox. Unbelievable, remarkable. Manchester United. Yeah, I do want to do Man United briefly. I know it's a bit bait for a uh, who's the worst team of the week because it's always Man United, but... Um, I did the commentary of their game on Sunday and I thought they were truly abysmal and it's just you speak about it a lot with Simon Jordan on Sunday yeah. night and I just don't get how a man with 27.3% as a win percentage at Manchester United four wins in 14 games how are they going to Solskjaer can remain in that job and it's not specifically him because why not he's doing his best but it's the sheer amount of Manchester United fans who still seem on board and accepting of the mediocrity. Every time you speak to a Manchester United fan, they tell you about the glories of the past with the biggest team in England, forgetting about the financial irregularities of Manchester City these days. They tell you we are still the greatest club in the world. And yet, you watch their performance on Sunday and you'll see nothing in it that suggest they're anywhere near getting near the top four, top six, even mm. top half. They squeezed into ninth. You've got Anthony Martial, who's not a striker, playing in the centre, wants to be on the wing. You've got Rashford, who wants to be a striker, playing on the other side of it. You've got Harry Maguire. Why did he leave Leicester? You've got Brandon Williams, exciting the young teenager. What's he doing there? Fred and Pereira. Oh, and Fred. Fred can't kick a football. Fred eventually could cost £61.2 million. The man cannot kick a football. He doesn't understand the basics of it. He just ballon doors it but forward into the air. Without getting too serious on you, aren't you actually answering your own question there? The reason Manchester United fans are giving Solskjaer uh, a, a, a free pass on this is because they see exactly what you're seeing. He hasn't had the players to do any better. But I do, I mean... Do and, and he's and he's a... He, they, uh, just to add to that, he's, he's the kind of like, he's the he's the lifeboat they're clinging to the good shit Manchester United. Mm. They've got nothing else other than old hero to get excited about, and so they'll take it but, at the but, moment. But, that's, but what I don't get is how it continues to list like this. I don't understand. At this point, that's I don't get it. That's a good question. Unai Emery's win percentage at Arsenal, who we've already established are the worst supported club in the country, uh, his win percentage is 49%. And Arsenal fans said, get this mug out. He can't win us a game. Man United are happy to draw at home with Aston Villa and say, well, it's not Ollie's fault, even though he's got a £75 million centre-half, the most expensive goalkeeper in the world for a long period of time. Not they have spent the money, yeah. but they've spent the money and they continue to be bad. Mm. There needs to be an assessment of the standards or a reduction in arrogance. I wonder whether it, 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 it's just, it, the, 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 how badly the club is run since David Gill left, if that's the real reason. Oh, for all can I this. tell you this really one quick thing from this week from the Astana game? I've got to mention this. Ed Woodward, did you see this? He was out in a bar in Kazakhstan before the game against Astana. And I don't know if you'll know what this is. Maybe as older gentlemen, you'll know what this was from your playground days. A fan comes up to him in a bar and he walks up to Ed Woodward, Manchester United Chief Executive, and he gives him a wet willy. <laughs> Wow. Not only do I not know what that is, I'm not even certain know what a wet willy is. You don't know what a wet willy oh, is? I, I, tragically, you will do. Explain uh, the wet willy. Well, basically, lick your own finger, oh, stick yeah. it in your ear roll, yeah. and you've self-wet willied. Oh, yeah. my God. So it's somebody, a, a guy in a white T-shirt, I assume a fan, was having a chat to Ed Woodward, and there's a video, I saw it on the Sun website, he puts his finger in his mouth, and then puts it into Ed Woodward's <laughs> ear, and then just walks off. And it was almost uh, like the end of a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Wow. You could have zoomed in on Woodward and just that's gone... That's how far Manchester United have fallen. Wet Willys sticking Hello. their fingers in their ears now. This, that's Probably wet honest, this year's Turner Prize winner. Uh-huh. Who's gonna, who are we going to have here? Um, the Ballon d'Or, 
the Euro draw, including England's joy at having to play play one of Germany, France, or Portugal in the last sixteen, or this week's assault on Manchester United standing <laughs> in world football. I think United have already got too many trophies, so let's not give it to them. And I and I feel that that we all would know that what a farce the Ballon d'Or is and was and always will be. And the Euros only come round every few years. <laughs> I think you're right. The regularity of the the, the nonsense of the Ballon d'Or, and this is one of the few. I mean, the Europeans are genuinely sad that Britain is leaving um, the European Union, um, but there will be, I say, at least they, they disrespected the Ballon d'Or. They had to go. <laughs> they had to go. No, that's your worst performance of the week. It's called a uh, balloon. The late and it's named after an ice cream. It's too good. <laughs> the Ballon d'Or is our worst performance of the week. Thank you all for listening to the Game Day Record Book Podcast. You've been listening to Mark Webster, Tom Rennie, and me, Danny Kelly. If you've enjoyed it, that's great. Tell your friends, get other people to download it, make sure that we get even more money and prestige than we've already got. If you didn't like it, try it again next week. These two won't be here. I think it'll be a lot better. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.